Researchers discovered a chemical that reverses aging. It works, too. President Biden rubbed it on his face, and within seconds, he only looked like he was 148. It's amazing. Greetings, kids. It's me, Kenny Webster. You've joined us here on Pursuit of Happiness Radio for a Tuesday edition of the show. Love having you all here. Thank you so much for choosing us over other lesser radio shows. I know you know who I'm talking about. You know, you know those guys on the other station. No, you chose us, and we got a great show today. Uh, Children being trafficked in the state of Texas. Children that were in the custody of a state that you pay taxes to, assuming you live in Texas, I know not all of you do, but a state agency has been involved in the trafficking of hundreds of children, well, children taken out of their, the custody of the state and forced into what looks like sex slavery. Some pretty disturbing stuff. We're going to be talking about it today on the show, so hang around for that. Brandon Waltons is here from TexasScorecard.com. We've been told over and over again by CNN, this is a right-wing conspiracy theory. The Hollywood news media said, don't go see the new movie Sound of Freedom. They said it's bullshine. It's full of fake. It's fake news. That's what they know. It's a very real thing. Children get exploited all the time. But before we get to any of that or the news about how one of Oprah's friends is actually involved in the horrible task that I just described to you, I still got to think to me, I mean, mean, sex slavery is terrible, but it's not. Unfortunately, it's not a new phenomenon, right? Something very concerning that's new that we've never seen before until the last few years was fed the federal government trampling all over the first amendment and using their influence and power to decide what you can and can't say on social media. This is to me one of the most pressing issues of our lifetime. This is groundbreaking. The founding fathers never had the chance to get out in front of this. They didn't know. They didn't predict social media. I mean, in a way, they kind of did, if you think about it. Ben Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, these guys all wrote essays and articles under pen names where they would basically mock King George. What was Ben Franklin's pen name? Um, Poor Richard. Poor Richard was his pen. Isn't that a cool? I always thought that was so cool. Well, what really, when Ben, when ben Franklin wrote anonymous articles and published, you know, things like the Federalist Papers, stuff like that, when they did that, Wasn't that kind of like having an anonymous Twitter account? I mean, in a way, it sort of was, wasn't it? So while the Founding Fathers never had a chance to tell us what to do about social media and and government censorship on social media, it's probably pretty obvious what they would have said if they knew about it. I mean, they didn't think it should be criminal to publish anonymous articles, did they? What's the difference between publishing an essay and handing it out at the local beer pub or having a Twitter account and, you know, writing your tweets on social media about why you do or don't like some politicians. It's pretty similar if you think about it, right? Now, recently, there was a court order that blocked the Biden administration from pressing for social media content moderation. That happened twice. That's now been put on hold. That's the latest breaking news today at Reason.com. 
The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit put on temporary hold an order blocking federal officials from pressuring social media companies to suppress certain accounts, posts, or other types of information. Basically, a temporary administrative stay is granted until further orders of the court, states the Fifth Circuit's order issued Friday. I get that that's a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. Nobody could blame you if that confused you. It's, it's a lot of legal jargon, right? Basically, federal officials can keep pressing tech platforms to remove content for now, according to our court system. It deferred ruling on the Biden administration's motion for a stay pending appeal to the oral argument merits panel, which receives this case, which means those judges will decide whether to lift the current administrative stay or keep things on pause until the full appeals process plays out. The court also expedited the case to the next available oral argument slot, meaning what that means is an appeals court panel will hold a hearing on the case as soon as possible. And it did not elaborate on its reasoning for issuing the temporary stay. Now, if you think about what's happening here, the political noise surrounding the case is distracting attention from the very important First Amendment principles that are at stake here. A public official who threatens to employ coercive state power to stifle protective speech is violating the First Amendment. It doesn't matter if the, if the, uh, whether the threatened punishment comes in the form of, of use or misuse of the defendant's direct uh, decision-making authority or regulatory authority or some less direct form. Now, in this case, the whole thing stems from an Illinois sheriff pressured credit card companies to stop doing business with a website called Backpage. There, there was a case called Backpage.com uh, versus D-A-R-T. Now, I know what you're thinking. What Backpage? What's that? It's a porno website. Well, no, I'm sorry. It's not a porno website. It was an escort website, right? Should the federal government be a lot? Now, that's a little different from why a lot of conservatives are concerned about this stuff. Conservatives are concerned that you aren't going to be able to get on social media and say that you don't trust the vaccines. And then the FBI or the CDC is going to go, Tell social media to, to censor you, to silence you. In this case, it's a little different. Backpage.com is a website that is being used by uh, ladies of the night, the world's oldest profession. And as some of the conservatives that listen to this radio show know, I don't think that should be illegal. I, if two consenting adults want to make a transaction, that's really between them. And for those of you that disagree with me on that, I bet I could change your mind right now. I bet I could change your mind right now. You probably have a spouse. I bet somebody loves you, a man or a woman. You may even have been married before. I want you to imagine you're the exact same person you are, but you have a horrible physical difficulty. Your brain still processes the same way. You have the same sexual impulses you've always had, but you're horribly physically disabled. You can't walk. You can't move. You need someone's help to wipe your butt, whatever. Do you think somebody in that situation is going to be go, able to go out and find physical in, intimacy? Remember that men are, have a biological need to do these things. It's a little different for women, but for men, it's not. You're going to tell me that some guy that's wheelchair bound can't do it, can't do anything um, without a little bit of help shouldn't be allowed at least once in his life to, to have that experience. I know this is confusing for some of the Christian conservatives. I happen to be one. But God also gave us free will. He gave us the right to choose or not to choose to do something. Is it really the government's role to tell you 
whether or not you could do that. And before I get too off subject here, that's not even the conversation we're having. This is a conversation about whether or not the government should be able to shut down a website where something like that was taking place. The case, it's not really, it's, it, it's not really up to us, is it? The First Amendment was very clear. Now, you, prostitution may be illegal in your state or in your county or in your municipality or town, whatever. Fine. But should it be illegal to have a website somewhere saying, hey, if you want to go out on a date with some young lady or some young man, hopefully an adult, right, not kids. I mean, just we're not talking about children here. That's a little much. That that should be illegal to, to say that on the Internet. What if you were joking? What if you weren't even being serious? What if you told a joke on the Internet? That said, hey, everybody, prostitution service for sale. And you weren't serious at all. It's the government's job to decide if that website or social media post should be taken down. More on that in just a bit. Punish them brutally. This is Pursuit of Happiness Radio. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. According to a new report, Green Day, Green Day, Green, not, Green Bay, Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's no Green Day, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin has the nation's safest drivers. I guess the logic being that you can't step on the gas when you lost your foot to diabetes. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Hi, welcome back for break. I'm Kenny Webster. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the First Amendment. There are two very important amendments, and they're right there at the beginning of the Constitution. The right to free speech. Self-expression, religion, freedom of the press, freedom to gather together and petition. That's all covered under number one. You're allowed to think and believe whatever you want and express those beliefs without being punished. As long as you're not hurting anybody in the process of expressing your beliefs, it, it's your constitutional right. It's, forget the Constitution for a minute. That is your God-given right. That, that is a natural right bestowed upon you by your creator. That is why you have free will and hopefully... You exercise that free will in a responsible manner. Now, I, I, it's hard to ignore. I'm sure most of you, if you're just turning on the radio, know where I'm going with this. We're now at a point, a crossroads in society, where we're trying to decide what to do with things like social media and publishing content on the Internet in regards to the First Amendment. And the answer should be pretty clear, but strangely to some people, it's not. A ruling that federal authorities must limit flagging online speech to encourage the suppression or removal by tech platforms, that should be viewed by free speech defenders as an unambiguously good thing. That's fantastic news. But the lower court's decision in Missouri versus Biden, the decision now on temporary hold, has attracted a lot of criticism in some corners that I would think would know better. Media outlets. The Washington Post. The Washington Post heard what just happened in West Louisiana recently in a court, in a federal court with Judge Terry Doughty, who banned all Department of Justice and FBI employees, plus any F federal public health officials, from meeting with social media companies for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing any manner of removal or deletion or suppression or reduction of content. So that you, thanks to our boy Jeff Landry, the attorney general over there in Louisiana, great guy, good friend of mine, not a good friend. Okay, he's a good acquaintance. That's, we don't hang out. Most of the time when you hear someone on the radio say they're a good friend with another public figure, odds are they're not really telling you the truth. But he is a good acquaintance. I, you know, we text and talk sometimes. I, I like Jeff. I just think he's a cool guy. 
And Jeff led the fight to make sure that when you post something on social media, the FBI can't call Twitter or Bookface or YouTube and say, hey, I didn't like Scott's Twitter post. Yeah, hi, this is the FBI. My feelings are hurt by something that your one of your users said uh, about vaccines or the results of the 2020. F you, dude. Kiss my grits. Now, again, you would think that that news would be celebrated by anybody in the media. You would be wrong. The Washington Post called this order, this the initial court order, now they're walking it back, a victory for conservatives and warned that it could have a major chilling effect on contacts between tech companies and a broad swath of federal agencies. Ooh, a swath. Who doesn't love a swath? As if that's a bad thing. The Washington Post and a whole bunch of others portray the ruling as something only the political right could support. They're wrong. If you could censor a conservative, you could censor a liberal. If you could censor an extremist, you could censor a moderate. Well, we're not worried about censoring moderates. BS. We live in a day and age when being a moderate is more controversial than it's ever been before. I mean, think about it. Who do you think is more controversial? Left-wing comedian Stephen Colbert or moderate comedian Dave Chappelle? The answer is pretty obvious, right? Who do you think's more who do you think's more controversial? Left-wing comedian Trevor Noah or moderate pers- uh, comedian Joe Rogan? You don't, you don't see people protesting Trevor Noah in the streets. They expect him to be a liberal. He's a liberal. They accept that. So, th- so it is very controversial to be a moderate. It is very controversial to be a, a centrist here in the year 2023. And if we're censoring the speech of moderates and centrists, that tells you the playing field isn't fair. When, Washington, when the Washington Post says, oh, this is only good for conservatives. No, they're lying to you. This is a good thing for everyone. Even if the motives of the parties who spurred this decision might not be so pure, you know, if they say this federal judge in Louisiana is some right-wing ideologue, so what? Thank God conservative judges in states like Louisiana and Texas are putting their foot down. Because when you look at what is happening in places like Illinois, New York, and more specifically California, in regards to your First Amendment rights right now, it is pretty alarming. There's a report today about California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom. Actually, as Jordan Boyd put it at thefederalist.com, giving the Biden regime a run for its money in the race to control American speech. And that's exactly what's happening. There's a guy, Gavin Newsom, who actually pretends to embrace freedom of speech. And he does this by promoting the inclusion of obscene books in classrooms or library shelves. And then he tells you, well, conservatives want to put age restrictions on this stuff. They're, they're trying to ban books. What? Putting an age restriction on pornography isn't banning a book. It's just telling you what age group it's appropriate for. Is it appropriate for a six-year-old to get a tattoo? Can six-year-olds drink beer and smoke pot? Do you want a, a, a child in middle school to be in a casino gambling? If it's, if it's not appropriate for a child to do those things, surely you would assume there's probably some content you wouldn't want a child to look at either. And don't call me Shirley. Nearly one year since Gavin Newsom signed Bill AB 587 into law, it protects Californians from hate and disinformation speech online. California is attempting to legitimize its attacks on the First Amendment in full swing. California, uh, according to Gavin Newsom, Gavin Newsom says, California will not stand 
uh, we will not stand by as social media is weaponized to spread hate and disinformation. So they've got this law, AB 587, and it requires big tech companies to submit reports to the Attorney General of California. That's Rob Bonta, if you've never heard of him before. Basically, it details how they define the terms of hate speech and racism and extremism and radicalization and disinformation and misinformation and malinformation and harassment and foreign political interference. Oh, my. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, the way they define it is probably not how you and I define it. <laughs> probably not. Now, this law hasn't gone into effect yet, but it will on January 1st. Websites like Twitter.com, I love me some Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, will be required to disclose how many posts were deemed worthy of suppression, how many people viewed those posts before they were censored, and whether they reinstated the contended post following an appeal from the offended user, offending user, excuse me, the person that got into trouble. Did you know you could do that? Have you ever been suspended on Facebook and you just accepted it? You know you're allowed to challenge it, right? Now, in this, what's really missing here, notably missing from the law's requirement, is a description of what the attorney general's office plans will do with this information. Well, why do you need a list of which one of us were naughty on Twitter? Why? Why do you need that? Besides blasting it out to the public, you know, you got to wonder, given the attorney general of California's history of shamelessly demanding the CEOs of companies like Facebook, Meta, YouTube, Twitter, and Reddit curb what he called the spread of misinformation um, and political violence or whatever. It's not a stretch to say he intends to use the data to pressure big tech into censoring even more content that the state deems in, in, inappropriate or just wrong thing. Because a lot of the stuff they're censoring isn't, it isn't, there's nothing wrong with it inherently in terms of like its legality or whatever. I mean, obviously they're making new laws to try to ban this stuff, but there's a big difference between calling for violence in the streets, something they don't care about at all, and just suggesting you don't trust a vaccine or you don't trust election results or you don't like the governor's opinions about free speech on social media. These are things they can deem to be problematic and they can censor you for it. And Gavin Newsom, the guy that's secretly running for president right now, just in case anything happens to Joe Biden, might actually be worse on this subject than the president himself. Imagine that. Be wary of strong alcoholic drinks. They could make you shoot at tax collectors and miss. This is Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness on KPRC 950 Houston. By the way, I do not endorse shooting at tax collectors. That's a poorly written joke that my producer made. We don't agree with it. Never shoot anybody unless they're going to shoot you first. But you know, seriously, don't hurt people. Houston, Texas. That's where we are. We're in Houston. Houston is experiencing a syphilis outbreak right now, which sounds bad, right? You don't want syphilis. But look on the bright side. At least Houston is finally known for something more terrible than the Houston Texans. So yeah, we've got that going for us. Welcome back for break. I, I love living in Houston. I love living in Texas. It ain't perfect, but it could be worse. We're the biggest conservative state in the country. We're the biggest red state. But you look around you. Don't take it for granted. Rome was once a great empire that eventually fell. And if America ever falls, well, you know the old saying, Texas will probably go first. It's not quite how the saying goes, but you, you get the you get the, the you get the you get what I'm driving at. I can't help but think that of all the things happening in Texas right now, that we should be the most concerned about as voters, as taxpayers, as landowners. It's this thing with Attorney General Ken Paxton. Most of you have elected 
Ken Paxton attorney general. I know there's a handful of you out there that don't like him, but most of the people that tune into the show think Ken Paxton is a great attorney general, the most effective in the country. Jeff Landry, he's pretty good. Missouri's got a good AG, but nobody was fighting the fight harder against Joe Biden than Ken Paxton. No lawmaker, you know, no, no, no governor, nobody. Ken Paxton, Ken Paxton is the attorney general of attorney generals. And they took him from us. Not Democrats, mind you. Rhinos. Dade Phelan. I mean, California Dade, that's what Dan Patrick calls him. Interestingly enough, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has just issued a gag order in the Paxton impeachment case. A press conference by Paxton's defense team, my good buddy Tony Busby, has been canceled following the gag order. Here with the details, Brandon Walton's TexasScorecard.com. Brandon, Brandon, give us the details and tell us if you were, were you surprised by this? I'm curious. Yeah, well, you know, whenever this uh, impeachment trial began to be laid out and, and sort of the rules were laid out by the Senate and by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick last month, um, senators were placed under a gag order, essentially saying they couldn't talk to the press about any of the details, um, you know, essentially to try to keep the jury pool uh, pure, as, 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 as Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick pointed out um, in his order. Uh, it's not like a normal trial where um, you know, if the jury gets tainted, you can put in some backups or just, you know, have a, have a retrial. Um, there's only 31 centers. You have the ones you have. So, uh, you know, in their attempt to try to keep things pure, he issued this gag order now, which expands what he previously did and actually prohibits members of the Texas House, um, any of the lawyers, both for the prosecution and Paxton's own legal defense team, from talking basically about any of the details of this case. Uh, and it certainly, you know, on, on one hand, I think that, you know, OK, this does affect both sides equally um, in the sense that, you know, it's not just an order against Paxton's team or against the House. It is against both. Uh, on the other hand, you know, I think as a as a you know, as a journalist myself, you know, uh, there's a lot of reporting, a lot of intrigue. A lot of people want to know kind of what's happening with this case beforehand. This might make it a little little more difficult to, to be able to report on. Uh, ahead of the trial, which begins on September 5th. Okay, so Dan Patrick claims we needed the uh, gag order because of an imminent threat to a fair trial. Now, you and I both know fair trial. There's nothing about a fair trial. These are politicians. It's not going to be 12 people on a jury that have never heard of Dan Patrick or uh, I should say Ken Paxton before. That <laughs> They don't know. These people all know every detail of this case. They know every allegation that's fake. And, and has already been disproven. They know which allegations haven't been disproven, and those are the ones they're going to focus on here. How is this a threat to a fair trial? I, I, it's already not a th- fair trial. This changes nothing. Well, that's kind of part of it. Actually, the funny part is, is that as part of this gag order, he, he lists off some examples, kind of an exhibit, you know, some examples of things lawyers from both parts have said where they've you know, been commenting on, on the trial itself. Uh, but there's a note there that says, essentially, if you're a senator, uh, don't read this. Now, I, <laughs> I have to imagine. I have to imagine these guys, right? Uh, you know, they know what's going on, right? The senators, I'm sure, have followed this. I, I don't think they're completely, you know, drowning themselves off, keeping themselves sequestered from what's happening here. Uh, and so, you know, that that kind of made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> All right, so the guy behind all this, um, it's always interesting when, when you realize you have that moment of awareness. Uh, the left would call it becoming quote-unquote woke, where you realize Abbott, Patrick, Dade Phelan, 
obviously Ken Paxton, these guys aren't friends. In fact, they all would prefer to replace each other with one of their own buddies. They're they're all from different little wings of the tech. Yeah, they're all Texas Republicans, but they're not necessarily in the same club, even though it seems like they are. Uh, Dade Phelan, interestingly enough, has just been censured by a local GOP um, uh, group. He's become very unpopular with Republicans in his own district. I wonder how this might affect him in the next election. Yeah, this is interesting. Orange County, Orange County, right? I think Orange, we Orange, talked yeah. about last time, right? right. Yeah, um, they uh, uh, the the County Republican Party there censured uh, Dade Phelan finally for uh, a number of violations of Republican Party principles, including uh, you know appointing Democrats to leadership positions, killing border security legislation, not supporting school choice uh, in the Texas House, etc. Uh, and this is pretty big because. Um, you know, this is the biggest county in his district. He's got uh, currently he has he has all of Orange County and he has uh, parts of Jefferson County. So right there, you know, Beaumont area. Um, this is the biggest part of his district. And here he has the party coming out there and saying uh, that, that they want to see him replaced. Now, the next steps in this process is that um, this goes up to the Republican Party of Texas, the, the state party, um, when they meet uh, here in, a, I believe, a couple months. Uh, they can take up this resolution and they can essentially um, affirm it. And what that will actually do is it actually prevents, it not only prevents the state party from spending money to help reelect Dade Phelan, but it actually allows for money to be spent by the party to educate voters as to why he was censured. Interesting, interesting, Brandon Walton's. I have heard from sources, anonymous sources, some of our listeners have reached out to me and they have suggested they think it is very possible that Dade Phelan is taking estrogen supplements. Now, I know you are a very thorough reporter. Have you been able to disprove that claim with any of the work that you've been doing? Yeah, nothing I've seen has no. disproven it, I'll tell you No, that. <laughs> no, see, that interesting, very interesting. Okay, we cannot disprove that Dade Phelan is taking estrogen supplements. All right, Dan Patrick, uh, fine, moving along from Dan Patrick here. Let's go down to the border for just a minute. Mexico. Mexico is now complaining that we put those border buoys, the barriers out in the water, Texas buoy border barriers. That's a fun word. Boy, oh boy, those buoy border barriers are upsetting Mexico. And I, you know, it doesn't matter, Brandon. I mean, this is one of those things. Okay. Mexico's filing a complaint. Filing a complaint with who? The UN? Yeah, essentially sending this this diplomatic complaint uh, to to the federal government, essentially saying, "Hey, uh, you know, we we have a treaty, you know, back in 1944, which essentially says that we have, you know, the right to determine what happens on our side of the river." Essentially, what they're saying when you kind of go down into this is essentially just saying, uh, "Make sure the buoys are are on your side of the Rio Grande," which you know, if you look at the pictures, they they generally look like they are closer to the Texas side than the Mexico side. Um, I think the bigger threat for the buoys staying there right now is going to be, uh, again, I mean, we had talked about, you know, there's a lawsuit by some by a kayak owner. Um, I think that also the federal government uh, is not too happy about the placement of it. You have the, the State Department saying that uh, they, they weren't informed about this and, you know, they didn't have any part in putting them down. And so you can already kind of see, I mean, I'm just sort of reading the tea leaves here, that you're starting to see maybe the groundwork laid to where, uh, one night, you know, Border Patrol comes in and uh, and, and just removes them. And, and I think that's a, a potential possibility. Hey, Brandon, can you hang and do another segment with us or do you need to run? Of course.
If you're just tuning on your radio, I'm talking to Brandon Walton's TexasScorecard.com. All kinds of strange things going on with public educators in the state radicalizing your kids. I thought we had laws against this stuff. Well, it turns out very peculiar things happening in our library system. Stick around for that. We are going to go to Navarro County to give you some information about, uh, uh, again, more laws. The government seems to be uh, breaking our uh, local government. Strange things afoot. Don't change the channel. A lot more coming up on Pursuit of Happiness. Screw you. I'm going to Texas and thank our lucky stars. Sorry, our lucky lone star. We did. This is Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness. Uh Uh-oh. Four people were attacked by dolphins at a beach in Japan. Japanese officials believe these dolphins are aggressive, dangerous, and delicious with some soy sauce and wasabi, so everything will be fine. Hi, kids. Welcome back from break. I want to talk a little bit about something you're... All right. Let's face it. Nobody wants to talk about COVID anymore, but there's still news, and they're still trying to use it to control you. I'll explain why in a second, but first, here's the other thing you're sick of hearing about. It's so hot. The Screen Actors Guild is picketing Death Valley. It's so hot. Jack Smith and the Department of Justice are going to subpoena Ben and Jerry. It's so hot. The United States is sending Ukraine long-range creamsicles. Oh, no. No, come on. It's so hot. I heard the Supreme Court is going to overturn an ice cream truck. Why? Why? It's so hot. Taylor Swift fans are singing. It's me. Hi. Turn the A-C no, no, on no, me. No, no, And that's your forecast. Please stay frosty. Oh, I didn't know we were going to force you to listen to Taylor during that horrific bit. If you're still here, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. I got suspended on Twitter a lot during the pandemic. Not, not, well, not so much Twitter, but I guess Bookface Meta. Specifically, Facebook has censored me many times since the pandemic began and told me I was spreading misinformation, malinformation, disinformation. Take your pick of the information that they don't like, well, you can't spell those words without information. And it turned out a lot of what I was saying was true. One of the biggest things I got accused of doing, and I get it, we have a big following on social on Facebook specifically, almost, almost a half a million followers. Not bad for a local talk show. One of the things we pointed out is how it seemed like the government was cooking the books on COVID deaths. I'm sure you get what that means, but that the numbers, the information that was being reported to us was not accurate. It didn't make sense. They were counting death from pneumonia or, or death from the flu or whatever as COVID deaths. And it was obvious this was going on at the time. There was other data available to suggest this. But if you pointed it out, you'd get into trouble. Even on the CDC's actual website, they would sometimes differentiate between the death from COVID and the death with COVID pneumonia. It's like, all right, hang on. Did this, did this person die with COVID or did they die from COVID? It's not the same thing, right? It turns out I was right. Now we know that. Not that it matters. Lots of health statistics could be deceiving, especially when comparing countries to countries or even regions to regions. It could be intensely frustrating when non-comparable stats are used to make a point. And it usually happens because it's a political stunt. I think the most obvious case is comparing infant mortality statistics between countries. America often looks bad in these comparisons, but that's mostly due to the fact that we actually count the mortality of infants who died while other countries bury the data. We also have a big open border with a country that's sort of a third world country. And, and a lot of those parents come to our country 
to try to exploit our anchor baby laws. And in doing so, they might give birth out in the desert and have a dead child. It's sad to think about, right? But a number of other countries classify early deaths of infants who were live births as being stillborn, for instance. So in the U.S., we count any baby born alive who subsequently dies in our, as infant mortality statistic. But an even better example would be COVID stats. This is where the U.S. ranks pretty poorly, as with infant mortality. Despite years of being told that the U.S. government has been rigorous in properly counting COVID deaths, everybody who has a working brain should have figured out by now that America has grossly overcounted deaths from the virus. And there are a lot of reasons for this. There was an actual financial incentive to do so. Cha-ching! What did Wu-Tang Clan say? That's right. Cash rolls everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. They were trying to get paid. They knew when more COVID deaths erupted around their state, they'd get more money from the federal government. And of course, the establishment wanted to panic everybody. They wanted, the, they wanted everyone to be compliant. There was no better way to do that than claim that a, every motorcycle accident victim was a COVID death. Time and time again, we, we, were, we were questioning whether this stuff was true. The official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had the virus when they died, even though it was not the underlying cause of death. Time and time again, claims that the government was overcounting COVID deaths have been quote-unquote debunked by fact-checking websites. Well, it turns out they were wrong. With their admission that the Hunter Biden laptop was real, years after it was proven to be so, the New York Times buried their admission that the numbers were cooked deep in the bowels of a recent news story. The New York Times, guys, and gals, and non-binaries. Years after the revelation would have had a political impact. And only as, as an aside, the New York Times confirmed what those of us who have been slandered as conspiracy theorists were saying or believing or suspecting the whole pandemic. Listen to this from the New York Times. COVID's toll, to be clear, has not fallen to zero. The CDC's main COVID webpage estimates that about 80 people per day have been dying from the virus in recent weeks, which is equal to about 1% of overall da daily deaths. The official number is probably an exaggeration because it includes some people who had the virus when they died, even though it was not the underlying cause of death. Other CDC data suggests that almost one-third of official recent COVID deaths have fallen into this category. One-third! A study published in the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases came to similar conclusions. When you try to follow, if you don't like the, the Walton and Johnson Facebook page or follow it, and nobody could blame you for not wanting to use Facebook, but Facebook. But if you don't do that and you go to our page and try to follow us, you get a warning label that says, warning, these are bad guys. They say offensive things and spread disinformation, misinformation. They lie to you about the news. What did I lie about? This was the biggest thing I, I quote unquote lied about, according to, to Facebook. Of all the articles, the news, the memes, of all the things I ever published, I think the thing I got punished the most for was suggesting that I didn't believe the COVID death rate. And do you know why? Because I live in America, in one of the most densely populated parts of the country, where I knew people with COVID. I knew elderly people with COVID. I knew, I knew people with pre-existing conditions and comorbidities and, and serious cases of COVID where they got hospitalized. And I know people that died from COVID, but not in the numbers that they were talking about. The people I knew that died of COVID or quote unquote of COVID or from COVID were very old. They were in their 80s. It's sad that they died, but, you know, we're all going to die probably around that age anyway.
I, I believe me, I don't want wish any harm on these people, but if somebody in their late 80s dies of COVID, are you blaming COVID for that? You know what I mean? Come on. A very large fraction of people classified as dying from COVID died with COVID, not from it. If you factor that in and the numbers change dramatically and the U.S. would not look so... If you factor that in, it doesn't look bad at all. This doesn't amount to an admission that they lied, but rather simply covering their own asses after it no longer matters. They got what they wanted. They got the panic, the election results they liked, Joe's president... They got the smearing of the Republicans, the wholesale changes in how social media companies regulate speech. We spent the first half hour of this hour talking about it on this show. Get the podcast if you missed it. This is in the now they tell us category that Dr. Fauci, just after his retirement, when he published an article in Cell, it's a, you know, go look it up if you want, basically admitting that vaccines against respiratory diseases don't really work as advertised. Oh, and by the way, Rand Paul just discovered that we're still paying for his security detail, even though Dr. Fauci's retired. So we've been hearing these rumors. He announced his retirement, and then somebody said, oh, well, he still comes into the office periodically, and he still has his security detail, and we're like, how come? He's not. He's no longer working. So we asked HHS early in the summer, we said, is he still working, and does he have this limo, and does he have a driver, and does he have a security detail? Well, HHS actually came back to us and said, they haven't been paying for it since January. But then we discovered that Fox uh, did a Freedom of Information Act and a judge forced them to say that, well, while HHS wasn't directly funding it, the U.S. Marshals were funding it. So can you imagine we asked the government, are you funding his limo and his driver and his security detail? And they say, oh, we're not doing it. Oh, but somebody else is doing it. And then we're reimbursing them. So- Come on. Here's the thing about this that's, that makes it a little complicated. I actually think we should pay for Dr. Fauci's security to keep him in jail. This is Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness. Dig it? 